everybody. Welcome to the Freecast. I'm your host, Matthew Weber. I'm joined by Mr. Ricky Boy. Hello. Uh, Ricky is not here. Um, he might join us for a Freecast eventually. He'll be. Uh, yeah. Him and his little kids. He apparently doesn't know how to go to sleep yet, so he's working on it. Um, all right, so this is the Freecast. We review movies, comic books, every once in a while, TV show. Uh, pretty much that's what we do. Every once in a while, we'll, we'll diverge from our topics and talk about technology, because um, we're nerds. Um, but tonight, we're going to review a movie. It was my selection this week, and we're going to watch, we watched The Da Vinci Code, um, which is the first Dan Brown movie to come out. Um, but it's the second, so it's really weird, because Angels and Demons is actually a prequel to the Da Vinci Code, right, Vince? Yeah, but did it actually come out before Da Vinci Code, though? No, I don't think in either either movie or book. I think they were book. It came out after in both. Um, and I'm, I'm I, I think the movie did. Um, yeah, I'm thinking that Da Vinci Code might have come first, and like he did a, like a later Raiders of the Lost Ark kind of thing where he tried to make a prequel or something. I don't know. Yes, yeah, I'm pretty sure sure that's exactly what he did. Um, of course. Calling it a prequel doesn't take the anything away from how bad uh, the second movie was. Um, it was still just a terrible sequel. Um, then, yep. really, with uh, Dan Brown movies and books, it really doesn't matter what order any of his stuff is because there's no continuance between any of the novels, right? I mean, it, you can read them all separately, and you really don't. You well, know, he lose anything. he does. Dan Brown again. We're talking about the movie, but in the books, though, Dan Brown does put a paragraph or two, usually saying, "Oh, and since Professor Langdon left X country, he broke ties with her, and now he's just alone again." Right? Like that's how he kind of starts the book, right? Disposable female character, and then moved on. Basically, um, the guy is a prof James Bond character. Man, he is what profs aspire to be. Like. Traveling around the world, doing conferences, doing academic stuff that actually uh, is on esoteric things that matter in some way to greater societal issues. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that's kind of important, man. All right. So if you haven't seen The Da Vinci Code, it stars Tom Hanks and a bunch of European characters. Um, well, I mean, it has... Oh, uh, and um, um, uh, the Gandalf Renaud. guy. What's his name? John Renault, the professional. Well, then um, Ian... Oh, yeah, uh, Gandalf, uh, Ian McKellen. Yeah, Ian McKellen. He's the so he's the villain in this movie. Oh, spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Right. So, um, which is interesting. All right. So basically, um, this is national treasure, but in France. Yeah. Um, and partially in like uh, London, right? Um, towards the end. Yep. Um, because they because they visit uh, Westminster Abbey. Well, the and the. the... Uh, the, the the church that they inter um, uh, Alexander Pope and Newton and all that stuff, yeah. Right. So it, so mostly it takes place in France, and then they move to to London. Um, anyway, so basically this is a uh, a treasure hunt where they're searching for the Holy Grail, um, and there's this whole you know it's basically a, a historical novel come to come to you know the, the big screen. Um, it was very, very popular in both book and movie form. Um, yeah. So I, I don't really feel like we need to give too much of a of a summary because I think pretty much everybody's seen this movie or read the book. 
Um, what I want to talk about, let, let's start with this. Um, uh, ignoring our opinions on the books, let's talk about Tom Hanks as Robert Langdon. Does he really, mm-hmm. I, when I first saw this movie, I just didn't think he really fit this role. Um, now, maybe it's my bias against Tom Hanks, you know, all things Tom Hanks, because I don't care for him as an actor. Um, really? I really don't. Um, there's not a lot. Of, I mean, I have, I'll be honest, I haven't seen, obviously, I haven't seen all of his movies, but the ones that I have seen him in, I just don't really care for him uh, as an actor. Um, but again, in this movie here, I just don't feel like he would uh, he fit the role. But I'm also not sure who would have done a better job. So after seeing a, you know the second movie, Angels and Demons, it it actually kind of warmed me up a little bit more to him in the role. Maybe just because I got used to it. Um, what do you think, Vince? Um, yeah, well, I, I think that when you it's a, it's a kind of double edged sword. Um, the, the I don't think Ron Howard needed to bring in Tom Hanks. Uh, I think that when you have such a big star or, um, you know, to, to anchor a movie, it usually is because the story isn't so clear or it's some new IP. Um, but like, I mean, they had such a huge following uh, when they made this movie that you could have got a pretty uh, lesser known actor who maybe, uh, as you said, would, would suit the part better um, uh, than, than to have like, you know, Tom Hanks who basically was, Yo, man, this guy's supposed to be like a symbologist prof who is like the upper echelon of academia. And uh, the audience in general has this preconceived notion that this is dude's Forrest Gump. Um, So so, so I I think that was one of the big issues that some of us had. Um, I, I, you know, coming back to who could have been a better actor, like, I mean, I I can't put my finger on on who, but like, um, I don't know, like the, there there are a couple of guys like, um, I mean, Liam Neeson, if you lost the accent, that could have worked out. Like, he's older, and, you know, he kicks ass, and, I mean, that could have worked out much better. Um, yeah, I, yeah, I could see that. But plus, you would be able to – I just, I guess I don't see Tom Hanks as, in, as an action movie guy. And they well, to be to fair, make, it's a professor. It's not like he, this guy's like a Marine or something, right? Right, I understand. But, I mean, they're, they're trying to sell this movie as an action movie. I mean, it's not – all right, so it's not J.J. Abrams or a Jason Statham movie, obviously. But there's still, I mean, there's car chases and shit. Um, so, I mean, I don't know. Well, I, I think that in general, um, the movie would have done perfectly well, uh, at least the first movie would have done perfectly well, even if they didn't have a big-name actor. Um, I think that one of the reasons why this movie was... Um, uh, made was because the book was very popular, but also I think that when you are reading the book, uh, the general per- the general audience doesn't know every single thing about the art and artifacts or even the locations that are talking about. Um, I-, I guess on one level, I'm fortunate that I you know teach architecture, so a lot of the architectural discussions about the spaces and churches and stuff, I was like, oh yeah, I can see that happening. Um, and and of course, like you know, the s- there's some paintings that are ever so famous, whether it's the, you know, Vitruvian Man all the way through to the Last Supper. Um, those are kind of iconic things. And of course, people can just look that up on the internet. But I think um, this movie needed to be made so that um, people could actually see the locales and really get that experience from reading the Dan Brown book. I, I think that it's no surprise that this movie um, got made, but it was hot off the trails of not only the book success, but you could go to like Paris, London, or any other city that uh, that you know Robert Landing goes through, 
and there are tours like the, uh, I think even to this day if you go to Paris they have the uh, Da Vinci Code tour um, that brings you to different parts of the Louvre or uh, different parts of Paris to see those scenes uh, that Lightning goes through um, so I think the movie needed to be made so that the general audience could see all the stuff that was wrapped up in, in the books. I, that's an interesting point because in traditional like Hollywood movies, all we see is you know California or you know, New York City or something, um, or, yeah. or or it's the traditional you know chick flick that happens in a generic place that you don't need to recognize, right? So I mean, this yeah. is you're right. It's, it's a real life kind of relatable. Well, I mean, it's it, real life and it's not real life. I mean, we can talk about the problems with like speed and time and like relativity there because there there are points in the book oh we lost Vince I don't know how much money that the Gandalf character could have had to like basically get a plane to illegally smuggle Langdon out to the UK from France I mean there, there's so many question marks on how things like that could happen but um, I, I think it, it's it's on one hand a novelization sorry it's, it's um, kind of like taking great liberties with uh, geography and certainly just trying to tie up a, a you know intriguing story. Yeah. Um, so if I had to give this one a rating, I, I, my problem with giving uh, a rating on this is, is that I'm tainted by the books, right? So I, 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 can't, I wouldn't be able to really rate the movie without also rating the books. So um, it's been... I don't think I've ever reread the Da Vinci Code. I think I've only reread the one time. Matter of fact, I don't think I've ever reread a uh, Dan Brown novel. I mean, I'm a, big, that I, I'm, I'm a big rereader, Vince. I mean, I like to reread. I mean, all right, so there was a, so, this is going to sound stupid, but when I was, a, you know, I was in elementary school and middle school and high school, I mean, I was a very big reader, but I was also, um, I wanted to impress people with my reading, so I always chose the biggest books, right? So, um, I don't know if you have you ever read a Tom Clancy book, uh, Vince? Yeah, but at the same time, Tom Clancy books are—I've never had a hard copy one. You buy them at the airport; they're like two inches thick, right? Paperbacks. You just blaze through them like on a couple of uh, you know return flights. Yeah, but all right, so. The, I always had the hard covers, and they're huge. So they, you know, they looked impressive, even if, yeah. you know, as I got older and my tastes became more complicated, I realized that Tom Clancy was a terrible writer. Um, but it's the same thing. Like I really liked Stephen King in, in middle school. I like read all of his his novels. Uh, yeah. And now that I've gotten older, you know, I, I see a lot of Stephen King's flaws, um, and I've moved. You know, I moved on. Um, and I've completely lost. Um, you were talking about rereading. Was, but, rereading. Oh, like so. There's this. There's this book by Tom Clancy um, called Executive Orders. It's um, one of the Jack Ryan novels that they never made into a movie. Okay. Um, and I had to have read reread that that book probably thirty times in my life. It's it's insane. I mean, I literally at one point I knew the entire book, but I'd reread it anyways. Um, I, you know, I, I would skip the parts that I didn't like, and just you know would read the the dialogue. It was it was stupid. You gotta remember, I was fifteen years old. Um, yeah. But 
I've never had that um, urge to reread any of the Dan Brown novels. Um, and I've never really had a, the urge before now to rewatch the movies either. Um, so it's, an, I like to, you know, um, grade things based on my interest in rewatching them eventually. And past doing like something we did tonight where it was kind of like an assignment, I, I just have no interest in rewatching it. So I'd probably give The Da Vinci Code like a two out of five. Um, not necessarily because it's an awful movie or even the acting is bad. I mean, I like the, the, the soundtrack was pretty good. Yep. Um, I like the soundtrack of Angels and Demons better. Uh -huh. um, I would agree. Um, but, you know, there's this, I mean, it's not an excellent movie. It's not something I'd give like a 10 out of 10 if I was just grading it just on the movie, um, just, you know, in like a vacuum or whatever. Um, but on, in terms of rewatchability, it kind of takes away from things. That, that's my biggest problem was I just have no interest in. And I'm a history buff. You know, mm -hmm. I, re, I watched uh, uh, National Treasure, like, I don't know, 20 times in two weeks when I first discovered it. It was wow. stupid. I mean, I literally just watched it over and over again. I don't even know why. It's not a fan. Say it again, Vince. The Nicolas Cage just must rub off on you at some point, man. That's just not right. <laughs> well, I... I because there's not that's, I think the problem is there's not a lot of good movies out there that are based on you know historical novels and his you know history and, and you know obviously going into national treasure and any history history based history uh, kind of uh, movie you're gonna know that they're not going to you know stay true to actual history which is something that Dan Brown actually tries to do you know a little bit. Um, you know, like he gets the locations right, but he has he has a he takes a story and weaves it into thing and uses like historical myths and legends and shit. Well, that's um, the thing. That's what I was gonna get at, though. Like, I mean, you're asking like, what would you give it? I'd say I give the movie um, like as as a retelling of the book. You know, a decent grade, like five out of ten is fine for me. But um, you know, coming to what you're talking about, the popularity. I think that um, old enough to remember this, but I do. Um, the Dan Brown premise uh, in Da Vinci Code of, you know, um, the lineage of Jesus Christ continuing on through Mary Magdalene and stuff like that. Um, that, I, I, I mean, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, you study history. Is, is the term, like, I don't know, it's called fake history or like crypto history, like basically alternate history. Um, but, but whatever you might want to call it, it's like this this esoteric, you know, Gnostic approach to history saying, like, I know better than pop, you know, it's like those people that say, well, you know, the Holocaust deniers will say uh, the Holocaust didn't happen because we know the truth or something like that. Um, that's the same kind of thing that, that that kind of like sense of enlightenment or false enlightenment that is uh, available back when... Um, Da Vinci, you know, prior to Da Vinci Code, about like 20 years earlier, um, the biggest book that was selling for guys like me was uh, Holy Blood and Holy Grail or something like that. And um, that's admittedly what um, Dan Brown drew from, which, again, 20 years prior or 30 years prior to Dan Brown's book, this, the, this book proposed the same scenario, except instead of doing it in a narrative way, it just said straight up, here are the facts. Um, and we suspect that at the end of the day, Jesus smuggled out and um, faked his death and continued his lineage, right? And um, what happens is that uh, Dan Brown's book uh, kind of rekindles that 
And it's not a surprise that, you know, in today's age where we have the internet, where everybody has various facts, I don't want to call them alternate facts because we're not a political podcast, but, you know, the stuff posted online to say, did 9-11 happen? You know, jet fuel melts steel kind of thing. What happens is that you spur a whole bunch of media products like, you know, ancient aliens or, you know, those stupid haunting shows, right? Trying to kind of find ways to connect reality or history or some sort of like events in in our past to like esoteric whether it's aliens or magic or some other um you know um other realm experiences or something like that i think that's just what um has now triggered a craving on the general population to to kind of want well yeah i think see especially with like the you know history what, what my, one of my history professors in, in college called long ago history, um, big event, no known history, um, where there's just stuff, stuff that we don't, like, you know, we don't know a lot about, you know, the real Jesus, right? I mean, like we know what the Bible says, but the Bible was written, you know, started being written decades after he, you know, he's apparently died, right? Yeah. So, I, I mean, so there's just so much, but there's a lot of things like that. I mean, prior to like the, you know, like, we didn't even start really writing things down until like the 1400s, 1500s. Um, and a lot of the stuff that we wrote down prior to that was burned by the Catholic church. Um, cause it was, you know, inappropriate or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. or, or, you know, got burned in fires because they built, you know, uh, buildings out of wood. Um, so, I mean, and, and I, there's, there's also the whole, I mean, in order for like a novel to sell or for, uh, movies to sell. I mean, we talk about this all the time. They have to make things, you know, interesting, and they have to make things. Uh, they have to spruce things up. The Hollywoodization of history, if you will, I guess I don't know. Um, kind of happens in movies like The Da Vinci Code and, uh, and National Treasure, right? Because got, they got to make a, you know, they have to have car chases and and clues and. Uh, you know, it's just kind of J.J. Abrams and, and um, the Transformers guy totally went blind. Uh, um, Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. You know, you got to have explosions in order to make anything good in Hollywood these days, right? So, I mean, that's what they have to do. You know, real history is just not really like that. But then real history, a lot of times, is pretty boring. Um, yeah, you know, there's a lot of downtime, right? And, and that's, that's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, I think it's... it's you, the, the, the Dan Brown kind of stuff is just more of a catalyst because then I start thinking not only like the, the kind of crap that you see on History Channel, right? But again, like I, I'm thinking about movies like, um, what was it? The one with Abraham Lincoln and vampires or like what, Abe Lincoln, Vampire Slayer or something like that? Yeah, and then um, um, Daniel Day-Lewis did an, a, a Lincoln one, right? Yeah, but that was a legit Lincoln biography. Like, right, bio- no, but there's um, there's a whole bunch of them like that. There was one um, uh, I got it. My my mind is like been cut into tenths today. I can't remember shit. Um, so go ahead, Vince. I'm just leave my ass behind. Say what you're saying. Yeah, but, but but all I was trying to get at is that um, I think that in order for main exciting um or worth you break up real good. You're bad. Can't, can't just simply have a documentary. 
something like Richard the Third. So in that case, the, the only way you could make it celebratable or interesting would be to say, Richard III practiced witchcraft and he had to kill his nephews to, you know, raise the spirits of Satan or something, and maybe throw an Annabelle the doll in it to make it really creepy. Right? Like, that's the way things have to be now to make things enticing. And I think that's the kind of, like, um, superhero comic bookization of history that you start finding in uh, media such as, like, the Da Vinci Code. Yeah, I agree. All right, so uh, I think we'll move on. Do you, Vince, do you have a pick of the week for us this week? No, man, I don't get anywhere. You know that. And you need to get out more. Um, anyway, so just because, you know, you don't, I have two. Again, I'm just picking up the slack. All right, so um, if you have a lot of gadgets, like, you know, I know you do, you do Vince, um, you probably go yep. through a lot of cables. Um, and yes. the, especially, the, like, the iPhone cables are flimsier and shit, right? Um, they break all the time. Yep. Uh, there's a company called Anchor. Um, they do uh, like braided cables, and they're, they're like super um, strong, and they're very they're fairly cheap too. So um, you can get like a you know multi packs. I got a ten foot lightning cable for eighteen dollars. Uh, does the head fray off eventually? Because I bought those ghetto ones too, man. It's too good a deal. Oh no. I, this is actually like iPhone certified from Apple. Um, it didn't, you know, I got it on Amazon, but like they, you know, made for iPhone stickers. So I mean, it's um, it's legit. And then these things are all over, like recommended on on YouTube and stuff. That's where I heard from some of the more popular YouTubers. Um, so I I know they last quite a while. My, no, granted, I've only had mine for a week, so you know, we'll see. But I, I, from the way it it seems made, it seems very very sturdy. Um, okay. At least way more sturdy than that, the stock Apple stuff. So I guess we'll see. Well, um, I was just going to say one thing about the lightning connector is that I find that um, right the actual thing that goes into the device, that actually snaps really easily. Yeah, it's like really, really little. I mean, it's not um, – I, I don't think that like USB-C is, is going to be any different really um, in terms of um, rigidity or whatever or long – term survivability but um for sure i mean you gotta, gotta also gotta remember that apple charges twenty dollars for this little two foot piece yeah. of plastic so um they don't want to go through and make things <laughs> affordable or practical or smart they want you to have throughout your lifetime of buying of an iphone they want you to have to buy three or four of these things so if you spend 60 or 70 dollars on a on a on a you know on cables just for one phone um, and then by the time you do that, then they'll change the connector again. Um, yep. So uh, at least the lightning connector's uh, a little bit more sturdy than the 30-pin, which was terrible. Um, it was. Well, I don't know, man. The 30-pin I didn't mind because it actually locked in and it was cool. Like, yeah, The connector was fine, but the, because that end was so heavy, it, like, mm. I don't know, it kind of bore down on the, the wire that connected into it. I don't know. I would – mine just kind of – Kind of fraying there at the at the edge. Um, it was yeah. terrible. Anyway, so my second one, like any family, uh, like my mom and dad, and even I guess have like you know tens of thousands of photos um, taken over the course of the last hundred and twenty years or something. I mean, it's it's 
it's insane how many folders we have in this house. Um, but anyways, my mom wanted finally, my mom finally decided to start a Facebook account for herself. Mm-hmm. Um, and she wanted some family photos digitized. Um, and we don't have a scanner anymore. I mean, like this isn't the 1990s. Um, mm-hmm. So at first I just started just taking pictures of the pictures with, you know, with my iPhone and yep. that worked fine. Um, but then I Google, then I got on the app store and found an app called the Google photo scan app. It's free. Yeah, I um, saw them. And it, it uses, um, uses AR, right? So you take, you take a picture of it centered, right? And then it projects four dots in the corners and it yep. takes four more photos based on those dots that it keeps in place while you move the camera around. And then it, perfectly crops the photo and looks like you use like a professional scanner. It's amazing. I want to know what the resolution was because I thought that was really cool. Like that, like, you know, when you take a photo of a photo, sometimes you get the hotspot gla- glare and stuff. And I saw that on- online that it looked pretty legit, but I want to know the final resolution. Can you control that? You can't, uh, I don't know. I haven't really played around a lot with the, um, like the settings or whatever, because I mean, it's been kind of amazed at how well it just, for the photos I'm taking, I mean, some of these were taken like the 1800s, and definitely in like the 50s and 60s, there's like a lot of them. And you know, those aren't really, you know, th- these are Polaroid photos, right? So I mean, it doesn't. Um, I haven't really been playing around with it, but like, there's a a glare removal and a flash, um, and I think that's like all the um, settings are. I mean, this is a very very simple app. Um, but once you take the photo, so like, say if it you you you're taking a photo. And it, it messes up, which doesn't mess up very often. Like, pretty almost, almost all the time gets the corners uh, like perfect. But it actually s- saves all the data, so it's like a, a big gigantic panorama. So, like if if it misses the corners, you can go through and edit the corners and make sh- and perfectly align them if you have to after the fact, um, which is really neat. Um, well, I don't see anything here about resolution, because um, okay. I can see this really being useful for like. Uh, say, for example, some of my students, they are too stupid or um, uh, they make up excuses for not being able to scan drawings because we still scan. But, like, you can imagine, like, blueprints of a building, right? Um, in, a, in a pinch, I could see using this app and just, like, you know, taking a billion photos and Google, you know, the, this Google app stitches them all together and call it a day, right? Like, I mean, that might be worthwhile for the kids. You hear me, kids? Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure because this – it doesn't – I'm not sure how this would work with, like, bigger photos. So, like – the biggest I've taken is a like an eight by ten, and I had to like stand, you know, stand up and uh, get away from it. So I'm not sure how it would work for bigger photos, and it doesn't really stitch them multiple photos together um, like that. Like um, it's actually like you're taking one photo, but it's taking the same photo five times. It's kind of like HDR, um, but it, you know, it's so that it can uh, crop out the edges. But anyways, it's like it's like there's a whole. Apparently, there's like four or five of these on the App Store, but this is free and from Google, um, so it's fairly trustworthy. Um, except for you know, obviously they're going to sell all your data, but I don't care. Um, take my data and give me free shit. Um, anyways, free, it's awesome. Um, anyways, that is it for us tonight. I don't know what we're doing next time. Um, it's Ricky. We'll get Stewart. Ricky. We'll get Ricky. It's okay. We'll get him. Um, yeah. So. If, if Ricky doesn't show up, we'll come up with something different. Um, anyways, um, if you want to follow us on Twitter, you can do so. The three cast is at the three cast with the number, the number three. Uh, I'm at MTWB. Ricky is Ricky underscore Williams one. Vince is VWHUI. He tweets uh, very intellectual stuff. I tweet 
uh, bullshit is basically what I tweet. Um, you can also go to Facebook at facebook.com slash threecast. Again, with the number three, you can email us at email at the threecast, and you can spell that either way. Um, the rest of them, I'm just not, I'm not running two Twitter accounts uh, just to spell the, it both ways. It's just not going to happen. Um, not that ambitious and really don't care all that much. Anyways, we'll be back probably in two weeks, if not, definitely four. We'll see you then. Take care, guys. All right.